Welcome to the First NAS Podcast. Today, Pastor Bill is sharing with us from Lamentations chapter 3 about God's great faithfulness. Let's listen in today as he preaches the word. But I'm, I'm guessing it was probably one of the two wheat varieties. And uh, there was uh, a lady who was a member of the church, who attended the church there, who who had befriended a woman, another woman who had absolutely no use for things like church or, or uh, religion, uh, not at all. Kathy made it abundantly clear uh, to people that might bring up the subject that she just simply had no use for religion or churches, and she made it clear that she had no desire to attend or become part of such a group. Uh, in her words, she had no use for that kind of hanky-panky. You know, she wasn't, wasn't going to be associated with people like that. She was rough. She was, some would have described her as hard. And uh, she could take care of herself and her family, and she didn't need something called God or someone called God or a church being involved at all. But Kathy's friend who attended church was persistent. And finally, to show her that uh, she could do without God, Kathy agreed to attend one of the revival services uh, during the middle of the week. And uh, she, uh, she was just going to show her friend and anyone else that might be present, it wasn't for her, she didn't need it. Holy Spirit was at work. He had been. And uh, this lady, Kathy, left the service a child of God. She left a Christian. Uh, she had been born again. And I have to add that this was really a surprise to a lot of people, probably to most people who knew her. Before long, her, her two sons and her two daughters were attending with her. And finally, some months down the road, even her husband, Pat, began to attend, and soon they were a regular part of the church, were there every time nearly that the doors were opened, were involved in ministries in the church, and uh, they had just simply become a church family. Some might think that since becoming a Christian, uh, any troubles that Kathy might have had or may have touched her life uh, were over. They were ended. They were done. And I would just say, hardly. If we were to pass out a questionnaire to each one of you who are present here in the sanctuary this morning and, and uh, ask you to respond to a number of, of questions related to uh, your emotional well-being, your spiritual life, and your overall attitude towards life in general, we'd no doubt just receive a multitude of of questions and responses. For example, if you were asked if you had ever gone through a time in your life when you had been discouraged, really discouraged, I suspect that a good many of us here would have to say yes, that sometime in life we'd gone through a period of real discouragement. If you were asked if you had been discouraged really discouraged sometime in the last 12 months. Once again, I imagine there'd be a good number that would, would have to say, yes, I've been there. 
And finally, if you were asked whether or not you might be experiencing a period of discouragement right now, today, this morning, right here while we're all gathered here in the sanctuary at church, I'm convinced that there are some who would, for any number of reasons, just have to simply answer yes. As we read through the Bible, we find that there are good many occasions when people uh, that we read about, the subjects in the Bible, uh, were going through times of discouragement, really discouraged for a multitude of various reasons. One person who was really discouraged, it seems, is the writer of the Old Testament book of, Revel- of uh, Lamentations. And say, I have to tell you, this, this writer was really discouraged. In fact, most of us would probably not pick up the Bible and turn to the book of Lamentations and uh, try to select a few random pick-me-up verses to begin the day with. Uh, most of them aren't that way. Most people don't search Lamentations for those kinds of scriptures. Line after line, as you go through Lamentations, it's a little book that follows uh, the book of Jeremiah, if I'm not mistaken, and I think it's just before Ezekiel, but it's only a few chapters, and line after line, the author relates misery and suffering, which has just reached terrible proportions for him, for the people of the city of Jerusalem, for the people that we refer to often as God's people. Jerusalem, the city of God, just lay in, lay in ruins, had, had lain in ruins for a good many years. And her people were experiencing horrendous suffering. In verse after verse, we see nothing but discouragement just showing its ugly head again and again. Where, where is God? What has he done? Has he turned his back on his people for all time? Is there any hope? Why, why, why hasn't God chosen to intervene and bring relief to his people? Does God hear the cries of his people any longer? I have to tell you, these people you read about in the book of Lamentations were discouraged. They were really discouraged. If you've got your Bible or your phone or your your iPad or whatever you may have, we're going to open to the book of Lamentations in chapter 3 this morning. And like I said, it's a short little chunk of the Bible that follows Jeremiah and, and I, I believe it's before Ezekiel. But in Lamentations 3, Beginning with verse 17, we have these words. Peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. So the author is telling us in these words that, for one thing, he's been deprived of peace. It's been taken away from him. It's absent. It's gone. 
Have you ever been there? Sure, a good number of you have been there. Uh, have you ever been at a place in your life where you felt, Lord, I just can't take any more of this. Please, God. God, this just cannot go on. Please. You may have wondered at some point how you were going to uh, make it through one more day with the way that, that you have been feeling. Some of you have been there. You have felt the emotions similar to the writer of Lamentations. You have wondered, when will it ever end? Will I ever know real peace and happiness in my life again, ever? Will I ever be free from pain and suffering again? Will I ever be free from apprehension and anxiety or the blanket of fear that just seems to have me all wrapped up? Our author here in, in Lamentations seems to be having problems financially. He tells us he can't even remember what prosperity is like. He's probably like the one who falls behind $2 for every dollar, dollar they make, it seems. There's just never enough money to satisfy all the needs and obligations. And just when you think you're getting ahead, one of the kid fall, kids falls sick or somebody has to have their appendix removed or something happens. Something comes along that requires funds, cash that you simply weren't planning on. I have to tell you folks, uh, this writer in Lamentations, uh, this man is really down in the dumps. He's really discouraged. He now tells us that all he had hoped for from the Lord is gone. And some might reply, well, say now, this guy could not have been a child of God, a follower of him, feeling that way, because Christians shouldn't be having feelings like this or allowing attitudes like this to form in their minds, would they? Why, when a person asks forgiveness of sins and invites Jesus Christ into their lives and becomes a part of the family of God, his or her troubles are over, right? Wrong. <laughs> wrong well this man goes on and finally uh, thinking that he'll never he says he'll never forget this awful time he'll never be able to blot it out from his memory he's had it it's over he's ready to give up Christianity isn't what it's made out to be why stick with it it's ended have you ever been at the point in your life where you would say with a writer of Lamentations, I will never forget this awful time. Have you ever been discouraged to the point that you're discouraged with God? We shouldn't ever reach that point, should we? Not good Christian folks. Something must be terribly wrong with our spiritual lives if we were ever to get to a place where we feel God has turned his back on us. And I would say nonsense. But wait. Somewhere in the deep recesses of this writer's heart, something begins to stir his memory. And look what he begins to write, beginning with verse 21 in Lamentations 3. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. 
His mercies begin afresh each morning. The author has remembered that there is, in fact, hope. There really is. He begins to remember the past, and he's reminded of the acts of compassion by his great Lord and Heavenly Father. He remembers his mercies, and he continues in this vein of thought as he remembers and is reminded that God really does love him, no matter what he may be feeling or experiencing or facing or going through. He's reminded that he is he serves and is loved by a God who is compassionate and faithful and a God who will never, ever fail him. Never. As he thinks about a loving God who has demonstrated his compassion so many times, he writes, his mercies begin afresh each day. Even with all the pain and suffering he's experienced and what he's going through, right at the time he writes this, he remembers the great compassion of God. God still cares. He does. He remembers that God is faithful and that he serves a God of love and a God of hope, a God who can be counted on for his consistent faithfulness to his people, always. As the writer ponders these various attributes of the God he serves, his thoughts take another turn, and look what he says beginning in verse 24. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. The writer reminds us that he has chosen to walk with God, and even though he's struggling through a period of great, great difficulty, he will wait for God. He will wait for God with hope in his heart and in his mind and soul, knowing that God's still at work, God's still out there. He remembers that the Lord is good to those who love him and that there are times when it's time to just simply wait. Wait for God to act. He remembers that, that uh, he needs to curb his impatience. Sometimes we're a little impatient with God, aren't we? Can be. God doesn't always go on the time schedule we would like. But he becomes confident as he remembers God's promises are true for him. And he knows that ultimately he's going to experience the salvation of the Lord at work in his life. Let's return to this lady, Kathy, who found Jesus Christ in that little rural church. She and her family had not been in the church for a long, long time when uh, Kathy's oldest son, Pat and Kathy's oldest son, a teenager, was severely injured in an accident, and he ended up laying in a body cast for months. His uh, parents, especially Kathy, was the one that had to do most of the work, had to care for him day after day, hour after hour for months. Uh, the family and the church family prayed for this young man. His name was Eddie. Uh, prayed for him that God would 
would uh, bring him back to full health, that he would be able to walk again, which uh, that, was not, uh, that was not certain early on. And he finally uh, got to the place where he was out of the body cast and wore some braces and ended up finally uh, walking without any assistance at all. And uh, he worked out day after day to the point that uh, he tried to join the Navy and he couldn't pass the physical. Tried to join the Marines and they wouldn't accept him. But he was able to get into the Army. And he went into the Army after passing their physical. And this was during a time when, when uh, war in Southeast Asia was accelerating. Uh, Vietnam was the hot spot in our world right then. And Eddie was soon shipped out to Vietnam for a year. Uh, he was a foot soldier out in the jungles with a, with a squad of men, uh, always at risk, it seemed like, always in danger. And his family prayed and prayed for his care and his protection throughout those 12 months, the church family joined this family, praying for Eddie's protection. And uh, finally, after all these months of apprehension and worry, uh, Eddie came home. Eddie had a younger brother, Steve. And uh, Steve had just graduated from high school. And he thought, I'm going to do like big brother. And he enlisted in the Army. And Steve was the sharp one in the family. He was smart, gifted, talented. Uh, everything that you would want a child of yours to have, it seemed like this kid had it. And Pat and Kathy were so proud of him. Uh, yet, Steve felt an obligation to his country. And so he felt like the Army was the place for him. Eddie did not want to see his younger brother uh, shipped to Southeast Asia, so he signed up for a second year-long tour and went back to Vietnam, and it was at a, in a period of time where if there was uh, one member of the family in Vietnam and uh, someone else was in the service, they would not send them over there. Uh, Steve didn't care. He volunteered to go, and uh, Pat and Kathy ended up with their two sons in Vietnam at the same time. All the family could do was just stay at home, pray to this God that they had put their trust in, pray to this God that they were now acquainted with, ask God's protection over their sons, and... Uh, trust that, that they were both going to come back. One day, two, two army officers in dress uniforms knocked at the door of their home. And many of you knew or know what that means. Uh, the bright one, the younger brother, Steve, the one whose love for God was so strong as a young man, had been killed while out on patrol with his squad. And the family had to ask, where was God? How could he have allowed this to happen? The family began struggling to put their lives 
back together. The older brother, Eddie, returned from the war. And uh, it seemed like after a period of a good many months, things were beginning to turn around and and Kathy had a smile on her face again and, and was busy in the church. Uh, Eddie uh, fell in love with a young woman and, and uh, they married and it wasn't too, too far down the road and, and Pat and Kathy uh, got to enjoy being called grandma and grandpa as Eddie and his, his wife had a, a little baby. It didn't seem like but a few months went by, and tragedy hit again, and the family became familiar with the term SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. And that little child's life was wiped out and taken from a loving mom and dad and from his family, grandma and grandpa. And they were asking again, where was God? How could he have allowed this to happen? One more time, the family begins to struggle to put their lives back in order to bring some sense of normalcy uh, back into their lives, but trouble just seemed to pursue them. And it wasn't long before the, the son and his wife uh, who'd, had, who'd lost a little child, they began to have marital problems. They ended up going through a divorce. And, and Eddie's mom and dad just, uh, anguished over that. And uh, yet, what could they do? Their trust in God, it seemed like, was being assaulted from every direction, but they continued to say they believed in him and that God was at work. The faith in God, which had taken root in that small rural church that night on, at that revival, uh, that the God that was met there that night by Kathy was still in control. She believed in him. She trusted in him, and so did her husband and, and the rest of the kids. On a cold morning um, in spring, of, uh, this, this was clear back in the early 1970s, Kathy received word that one of her brothers was trapped in an underground silver mine in north in the mining district up around Kellogg and Wallace. Uh, there had been an explosion and an apparent fire, and and a large group of men were trapped. Uh, Kathy went to be with her family, who sat outside that mine for nine days as rescuers tried to reach the trapped men. On the ninth day, word came. Out of nearly 100 men, only two had survived, and Kathy's brother was one of those who had died. And, and people were saying, no, not again. Not another tragedy. Where was God in all of this? How could he have allowed this to happen? Once more, the family began the all-too-familiar and painful struggle to try and put their lives back in order. But should we, should we have expected any change in the pattern of events that, live, that their lives seemed to follow? Eddie was spending some time at his parents' place, uh, just a brief period of time. He'd been down in the dumps, but he wanted to get away for a while, and so he told his mom he'd be back in a little while. 
Uh, he'd taken up the sport some months earlier of rock climbing. And uh, he, he enjoyed it. It was a, it was a place, it was a, a sport that he enjoyed and he could, it would relieve stress for him. But he didn't come home that night and the search was started the next morning. He had told his mother where he was going and you know what, what I'm going to say, don't you? Eddie was found at the bottom of this rocky cliff and it was obvious he had died instantly. Where was God? How could he have allowed this to happen to this family? And we, we ask the question, where does it all end? Several years ago, I had the opportunity to uh, visit with Kathy and talk about her family and the seemingly numerous heartbreaks that they experienced over the years. She spoke of their losses and some of the tragedies that seemed to plague the family. But you know something? I came away from my visit with her uh, thinking to myself, how could this be? I'm, I'm encouraged after talking with this lady. Uh, time and again, as we visited that morning, she related how God had been so good to them. God had been good to them. Maybe all I was doing was remembering all the tragedies, all the negative stuff. But as we discussed the loss of her brother in the mine at one point, she said, Bill, even then, God was good. God was good to us and our family. She went on to tell me that she had three brothers that worked in that mine who had, uh, all three of them should have been underground, but two of them for unknown to each other and for separate reasons took the day off or they would have been with her third brother. And she could have lost all three of her brothers rather than just one. And so she said, God was good to them even in the light of that tragedy. We talked about the loss of Steve in Vietnam and how his name is one of those engraved on that black marble memorial in Washington, D.C. And yet Kathy's comments to me is that far more importantly, Steve's name is one of those written down in the books of heaven, that they lived with a confidence that uh, when his life came to an end so tragically there in the jungles of Vietnam, he went directly into the arms of the father. Kathy told of the dark days she had walked through after his death, and yet in her own words that morning she said to me, God's promises are all we've got. He's with me. He's with me every day, and without God's promises we just simply wouldn't make it. As our visit continued, I found her conversation just liberally sprinkled with praises to God. He hadn't let her or her family down. She didn't see that, anything like that at all. Kathy shared how she had been afforded the opportunity just several months prior to our visiting that morning of leading a couple to the Lord. And she was really excited about that. She was pumped up about that. And uh, she said, uh, Bill, 
The Bible has got to be true. It has got to be true. We can hold on to that. It's God's promises for us, Bill, she said, again and again, reminding me of God's great love for us, how he cares for us, and how he'll never let us down. The family continued to experience difficult times as the years passed by. Uh, I haven't shared all that they've endured. Uh, you've heard enough, though. <laughs> Some of lesser faith would have no doubt have asked often, why? Why? How could God let this happen? And yet, as we talked, Kathy reminded me, Bill, God knows best. We have to hang on to that. When everything else crumbles, God knows best. Before our visit ended, we came back to that night in that little rural church when Kathy had given her heart to the Lord in that revival service. Like I said, it was revival time for that little community, that small church, and for the people that were present. Uh, I have to admit to you, I was probably there. I was probably only 11 or 12, so it was a long time ago. But as we talked about what happened in that revival service, Kathy said, and she, she laughed as she did so, that wasn't planned at all, not at all. She went on to tell me that the only reason she had gone to church that night was to get her friend off her back and show her that that church would do nothing for her. She didn't need religion. Kathy remembered how at the close of the service, the pastor had invited people to come kneel at altars similar to what we have right here in the front of our church and pray and talk to God, invite Christ into their lives or or talk to God about whatever they wanted to. And he'd had everyone stand, and they began singing a song. And uh, she said she began looking at the people and the singing, listening to the singing going on around her, and she said, I decided it was time to make, take my leave and get out of that place. She said there were a bunch of people that had gone down front. Some were bawling and, and uh, talking loud, and she said, I was getting gone. I did not want to be there. Uh, all I was going to do was leave. She decided it was time to make her exit, and she said she stepped out into the aisle to turn left to head toward the door, and instead she turned right, walked down the aisle, and she, couldn't, she said, I couldn't seem to stop myself, knelt there at the altar, and uh, didn't know what to do. There she was, but the pastor, uh, her lady friend that had invited her to church, gathered around her and began to pray for her. And um, she told how, uh, Kathy told me how it seemed uh, that a heavy burden just lifted off her shoulders at some point. And as the, ta the pastor talked with her, she finally realized it was the burden of sin and guilt she'd been carrying. She asked for God's forgiveness and asked him to come into her heart. And as the pastor prayed and guided her through a short little prayer, uh, she became a child of God. She became a Christian. She was forgiven. Christ had come into her heart. The blood that had flowed from our Savior Jesus Christ on Calvary was doing its work, and the weight of sin was gone. 
Kathy never, ever regretted the small step of faith she took that night. And as she looked back over her life, uh, she reminded me again, well, God's promises are true. God's promises are true. She said she was afraid to stand up uh, when people were getting up and beginning to leave. And she, just, she felt that the weight of the, that she'd been carrying would re-alight on her shoulders or something, but she said she stood up and it was still gone. And her life was never, ever the same after that night. The cry of the writer of Lamentations resembles our own many times. When life hits us from all sides and we can't find the hand of God in it, we can be tempted to believe that the entire universe is aimed at our destruction. We can see ourselves as helpless victims. There seems to be nothing we can do. We can forget that God never loses control of his universe. So if God is for us, no force in the universe can, can complete its plan to destroy us. When pain comes and difficulty seems unavoidable, it's probably time for us to look to heaven and make up our minds regarding what we believe. Are we allowing God to lead our lives? If so, if he's leading, ultimately whatever we're experiencing is under his control. Ultimately, regardless of the pain that we may be going through or experiencing, Christ will bring us through to victory. In the end, we'll find that God is faithful. He's faithful to us. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to me. The circumstances of life we may be facing do not override God's promises. We can head into days of uncertainty because God's mercy is certain. Doesn't make any difference. Doesn't matter how difficult the decision is or how unsure the outcome. We believe in a God who goes before us to make our path straight and our destination sure. We are never, ever alone. Several years ago, Kathy uh, passed away. And all her heartache, her suffering are over. And she's with Jesus for all of eternity. But she would be quick to agree with the writer of Lamentations, I'm sure, that her hope was in the Lord, she would be quick to agree that his compassions never failed her. And she would assure us that God's great faithfulness is ours to hang on to. Would you stand with me this morning as we prepare to close? Now bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Is your hope in the Lord today? Are you convinced that God's love for you never fails? Are you assured of his faithfulness in your own life? Are you assured that God's mercies begin afresh each new day? Heavenly Father, thank you for each one who's in this sanctuary and present. Uh, we've read your word We've been reminded that no matter what life throws at us or what we're experiencing, 
We serve and are loved by a God who is so faithful, always faithful. And you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Before we go this morning, if there is someone here that would like to come and kneel at these altars and pray, we're going to pause just a moment and give you the opportunity to come and kneel. I'd be happy to pray with you. We'll wait just a moment if you'd like to come and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us so much, and I pray that you would be with that person who's present this morning, who came to church this morning feeling as if life were hopeless. I pray that they will have been reminded afresh and anew of your great love for them. And I pray all of us would go out into this day, into this next week, being reminded, maybe again and again, that your mercies are new and fresh each morning. Remind us, don't let us forget that your faithfulness is so great and it never ends. Father, we love you. Thank you for who you are. I pray that you would go with each one as we go into this new week ahead. In your precious name, we ask this and pray. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the First NAS podcast. We look forward to seeing you in person soon at 1700 8th Street in Lewiston. Come join us.